17 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And I'm joined on the line to do this by market analyst Bandile Matandela. Mtlegaz, good evening to you and welcome. Good evening, Aya. Good evening. Mtlegaz, 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 Let's start there, man, with uh, Ital Tile, the guys who bring to us CTM and ULight. And uh, I always find this a very interesting company to take a look at because uh, it's probably one of the most defensive and resilient, uh, even during the tough times, uh, industries. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, sometimes, Tinamachi, that we forget uh, how resilient a sector this might be. Uh, but uh, that being said, your views on the 16.4% expected improvement uh, coming through in a trading update today of their operations and uh, I guess what that has meant for their CTM and Ulite outlets. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think as, as I was looking at the story, I, uh, I actually was reminded of a conversation we had a couple of weeks back where we're sort of talking about this growing sort of home market and um, household market. And I think what, what we're seeing with, with, with Atile Time is the fact that you know, with more and more people working from home, I think people have started to try and uh, focus on home improvements to try and make themselves more comfortable. And I think they, they, they've seen benefits from that, you know, uh, with, 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 with a lot of people then improving their homes and, and, and the tactile being able to, 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 to benefit from that fact. You know, and I think for me, it, it, it highlights sort of this, this situation where you've got COVID and you've got a lot of companies struggling but i think there's certain industries that 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 are positioned in a way that they, they they definitely are benefiting and i think for me they're seeing the benefit as a result of this you know um, uh, focus around people working from home and and you know it's, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to also tell how long this is going to happen so a lot of people sure, are trying sure. to make themselves comfortable i know a lot of organizations are changing their operating models their business models to to to, to see if more and more people can work from home you know it reduces mm-hmm. costs on that front. So I think they, they, they were positioned to really, really benefit from that. And it's not surprising to see the 16% increase um, with regards to revenue from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, also a very interesting, I guess, manufacturing number coming out from them there, uh, saying that they've also seen on the back of uh, some of the demand from the retail yeah. side of things, uh, improvement in uh, the uh, productivity and output of their manufacturing operations. So quite an interesting one there. Uh, but let's shift our attention now to ESCOM and NERSA. And uh, we're going to be uh, chatting to ESCOM in the next few minutes or so, uh, but uh, about something entirely different. Uh, this is now about distressed companies who can apply for lower electricity tariffs. And uh, I guess it's something that uh, we've often sort of thought about in South Africa, especially as it relates to some of the intensive energy users like the uh, aluminium smelters mm. and uh, you mm. know all manner of other things. What's happening now when it seems that the process is being opened up once again? Yeah, so what, 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 we're, seeing, what we're seeing on that front, Aya, is that um, the Department of Energy has basically finalize the framework which allows for distressed companies to apply for sort of short-term um, negotiated pricing um, with regards to electricity tariffs. And I think, you know, this is something that comes at quite a, a, an important time and a needed time with a lot of companies sort of looking to reduce cost. So uh, especially companies where electricity is a significant uh, cost driver, I think they, they, they will really seek to benefit from this. So ideally what they're saying is that if you can demonstrate that you, you, you've got electricity as a, as a, as a high-cost driver, you know, your, your electricity bills have always been up-to-date, and that you know you have no issues with regards to competition authorities, 
you can then apply um, to NERFA um, to, to, to be able to receive reduced uh, tariffs. And I think for me, this is, this is something that's positive. And also positive from the side of ESCOM as well, actually, because, you know, you'd rather have a situation where you've, you, you don't, you, you, the usage doesn't get interrupted because as companies then reduce costs, they're going to interrupt usage. And of course, that's going to have then an impact and effect on the revenue of ESCOM. And I think um, any decline in revenue is the last thing they need right now. So I think mm-hmm. for me, it's a, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a really good move. We do know as well that they've also um, um, sort of circulated the first draft around the long term negotiated pricing as well so what's been yes, approved yes. now is the short term and then i think it's an interesting one you know where where where, where nasa is now sitting in a position where they're looking to work with companies and find more sustainable solutions and i think for me it's a win-win on both organizations and on both parts mm. the only thing that was missing for me i uh, is the fact that you know i don't i'm i'm, I'm you know i I'm, I'm, I've always been an advocate uh, for around SMEs, and I don't see how they really stand to benefit from this. So maybe it's also it's also something that we need to think about to say, you mm. know, some of these requirements. Um, how do we encompass and how do we sure, make sure that sure. we include SMEs? Because in reality, they're the ones that need some of these um, subsidies the most. You know, so mm. I think uh, for me that's the next step. You know, we've gotten here now. And how sure. do we then extend this program to the SMEs as well? Yeah, no, no, I think you're spot on there because I think as we as we think about, you know, this idea of a just transition, it's also really about thinking and moving away from this big company, big, yes. massive conglomerate yes. type approach. Uh, and I think the, the space of energy is a very interesting one because we know the South African economy is built around this minerals energy complex uh, and historic agreements between massive companies, uh, you know, the Mazal Aluminiums of the world and uh, others, uh, uh, with, of course, our electricity authorities to try and uh, increase production there. But I think the other element we need to consider is uh, not only just job retention, but the growth of new jobs. Uh, and mm. that's something that uh, is, is probably going to be uh, something we want to think about where, when you do this, because it's, it's not enough to just say, let's give you the subsidy just to keep the workforce that you have. But show yeah. us that in the, in, in the medium to long term, you're also going to uh, improve your uh, employment patterns as well. Bandila, I want us to, to pause here for a second. And take a quick uh, spot break. But when we come back to Funaska Stronger, uh, this fight around chocolate. Now, uh, we've seen uh, the likes of Ghana and uh, the Ivory Coast, who are major players uh, in in, uh, the massive feedstock of cocoa that goes into the chocolate we eat. And it seems now there's uh, some issues here around uh, a livelihood improvement levy or something like that. And uh, you'll tell us a bit more about that. And also, Johan Rupert is Remgro uh, buying up more of RCL Foods. And uh, the big question is, uh, what's behind... Uh, that or what's the major play there so we'll answer some of those questions after this brief break we continue with our wrap of the top business stories and i'm joined by market analyst bandila matandela to uh, take a look at uh, some of the big stories in the markets today and uh, bandila that story of um, remgro the investment holdings company uh, that uh, johan rupert owns uh, uh, set to buy more equity in rcl foods now now they have a sizable chunk of the entity already uh, and it seems and now we're uh, offering at uh, just over eight rand a share uh, to take up more shares from uh, some of the other minority shareholders. Yeah, I mean, I think for me this was quite interesting, right? And, and you know, at the same time, you know, you understand why the move is being made from, from a, Remco, a Remco perspective, right? Um, uh, what was interesting for me is, is you look at this move and, you know, as, as you rightfully mentioned, they, they, they already own quite a huge chunk at 76%, and they, they're increasing their stake actually to about 83%. Yet they've come out and um, and they've said that this must not be sort of looked at as a way 
uh, in a way that they're trying to get control or total control of the organization. And rather, I have said that, you know, if you look at the liquidity of the stock, where only about 4.8% of the stock has actually been traded in the last 12 months, they've said that this is a way in which to inject liquidity into the stock, and hopefully for the other shareholders, they're able then to, 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 to get some liquidity on that front. But for me, it's an interesting one, right? And it goes back to this point where we're making around sort of these monopolies and, and having these companies having such a hold over certain sectors. But what we're seeing here is, is, is you know, Remgo's is increasing their, their stake in our cell group. And, I mean, at 83%, you know, it, 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 it's only a matter of time before they, 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 well, they own the entire organization. But for me, a really, really interesting move. It, it will be interesting to see if it's going to have any effect on the operations and, and, and mm. any of the strategies of the organization, you know, because um, these this things tend to filter down and trickle down to that. To, to, to that. Mm. And for me, that's what well, I'm going to be Would you not suspect, though, Bandile, I mean, would you not suspect that, um, you know, these guys have been trying to talk down that this is effectively a takeover? Uh, but yeah. don't you think, I mean, with all of the, uh, I guess, sort of management changes and shake-ups happening within RCL, that uh, yeah. you know, this is the perfect moment for them? I mean, it's a perfect moment, you know, to get people not only just from your competition, uh, from, uh, you know, uh, the uh, guys in the ch- other chicken business, uh, but also when you think about it with a new team from Country Bird and now in effectively a new sole shareholder. I mean, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to have your people in there. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's definitely going to be like that, right? And, 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 and you know, as, as much as, you know, we, we were saying, they're saying it's not a takeover, you know, at 83%, you probably control some of the management team, you know, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it is, it is in a way a takeover, right? And, and it goes back to this conversation of, you know, in South Africa, you know, we, 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 need, to, we need to really relook at this whole monopoly situation because it centers power. It, 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 it creates really, you know, a, a huge problems when we go forward and it gives certain organizations power to control, you know, um, the, the value chain as a whole and it eliminates mm-hmm. competition um, in a way. And that's, that's not good for the consumer. You know, we want to uh, make sure that we always have competition. But for me, you know, again, what do you do? You know, at at seventy six percent anyway, they, they 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 had quite a significant chunk. But I think we we are definitely seeing a move towards where they will probably in the next couple of years or couple of years become the sole sole shareholder. Um, so so it's an interesting move. I I think for REM grow it makes sense, but for the market, it it, it definitely yeah. is not good. Yeah. Particularly the chicken market, you know, it's such sure, a sure. such a contested um, market and such an important market in South Africa. Mm, you know, you consider mm. they supply KFC, Nando, chicken, bacon, and 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 you, you know, how do you control the pricing then once you've got this monopoly created on that front? You know, so and these think, guys are vertically yeah. integrated, man. Like anything from the feed right through to the merchandising in the cold storage room, Gabo. You know, yeah. so I think yeah. uh, if you think about that and you think that this is the main protein source for, for many of our people, uh, it certainly does bring that point much, much closer to home. Uh, before I let you go, Bandi, like, what's going on in Ghana? What's going on in Ghana? And in Ivory Coast. What's going on? You you know, for me, um, I think we can we can definitely take a page of that book, right? Where we have a situation where, because of COVID um, uh, and this pandemic, the, the the farmers, the cocoa farmers, have been impacted quite negatively as well as their livelihoods. And in a bid to try and support them and subsidize them, there was sort of this agreement where the the cocoa was going to be bought at a premium. And now we're seeing a situation where 
Um, some of the farmers are actually accusing Mars, who's sort of one of the biggest uh, producers and buyers of this cocoa, of not being um, fair and that they're not willing to pay this premium. And what they're doing is they're changing some of their buying processes, they're altering some of their recipes so that they only use a, um, a, a minimum of this cocoa because of this premium. So which is then affecting the livelihoods of these farmers and, and creating a threat to the production of cocoa in, in, in Ghana as well as, uh, as Ivory Coast. So for me, I think what we can learn, learn from this is how do we support our farmers better and is there a willingness from organizations to pay a premium when necessary with the view of saving livelihoods and then maintaining sustainability. Mm. You know, so for me, that's that's the angle. But, you know, Mars has come out and said that um, this is not true and that they were the first organizations to support this move and that they they, 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 they are committed to continue supporting this. But sure. the farmers don't feel the same, you know. So it's an interesting one. And it's that typical question of, you know, where, where does the power lie? You know, where mm, is the power lie? global value chains, yeah. yeah. Yes, it, mm. it becomes a very... A very interesting one. But oh, again, you know, for me, my, my next question would, would be, is there an alternative, you know, from sourcing cocoa? Would they be able to get it elsewhere? And where does this power lie? It goes back to the power issue. And what mm. role does regulation have to play in mitigating that whole situation around power? But, but yeah, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting one. Um, and, and, and I really, really hope, you know, for the livelihoods and the families of those farmers that there is an, a solution and Mars actually does come to the party as they said mm. that they will be and they will be able and willing to pay that premium. Otherwise, you know, we, yeah. we might see the effects becoming really quite bad in those two countries. Mm. And, and you know, Bandi, the other dimension, I guess, to, to this thing, uh, uh, the issues of power that you're speaking about, because global value chains, you know, is that uh, there's also the power that sits with being, I guess, the brand that is the last mile to the consumer. You know, yeah. if you think about uh, uh, Mars, which, uh, you know, the, these are the guys who make Twix, Snickers, M&Ms and all manner of other things. Uh, it, what would happen if we had retail brands that use African cocoa retailing on the continent and in other parts of the third world? Because if, if the competition doesn't come from that side, then I, I think there's really no incentive, you know, for many of uh, these players to, to not continue to exploit some of these farmers. Uh, so it certainly does raise questions about... Uh, you know, how do we complete that value chain and do yeah. so within the context of, you know, the Africa continental free trade area uh, and even, I guess, some of the other sort of regionalization initiatives that are underway on the continent? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it requires it requires buy-in from one funders as well as government as well in that, mm. you know, if you want that competition, you're going to have to be willing to support these entrepreneurs that, that, that have these ideas, this potential to do that. Because what you see, it becomes very difficult, right? The barriers to entry are quite high. The cost of capital are quite high. Some of these guys are, uh, are huge. They've got, you know, economies of scale. And if you come in, you come in at a high cost. They're able to just price you out of the market. So it needs us to really ask ourselves questions as Africans and then not only just ask ourselves questions, then support these entrepreneurs that are coming up or these competitors that will be able to compete with the likes of Mars. But as it stands, it becomes very difficult for any small manufacturer to be able to compete because, you know, you, you don't have the economies of scale. They just drop the prices. They hold the relationships with the retailers. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it becomes a very complicated one. But I think you raise a very interesting point. You know, I think we need to drive the competition on that front. Because as sure, long as we sure. don't have competition on that front, there's only so much these farmers can do and they'll just be bullied or driven out of the market. And, you know, one farmer goes down, another one will come out who will be prepared to take that price 
or these guys mm. would even set up farms of their own if the regulations are not uh, are not tight. But I think, you know, you raise a very interesting point. We need to start asking ourselves as Africans and then start trading amongst ourselves instead of having our cocoa leaving the continent and coming back in, 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 in a different form where you, you've you've lost completely that power and you don't you now you we now we now become a price taker. You know, so so I think it's an interesting one, and and yeah. we need to maybe start adopting an approach in South Africa and in Africa where we looked at the entire value chain, because mm-hmm. I don't think we do that when we when we when we when we look at the support systems. Just yeah. look at the entire yeah. value chain yeah. and see how do we actually leverage and take over or make sure that we've got this part of the value chain um, sorted. How do we then move on to the next value chain, even if it means those cocoa farmers need to give preferential pricing. Um, to some of these uh, mm-hmm. entrepreneurs arising in, in in Africa, in a bid so, to then you know capacitate them and help them really establish themselves yeah, and then set yeah, them up as yeah. competitors. No, definitely, 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 and I think it's a it's an issue that applies not just to chocolate and cocoa, uh, but to many yep. of the other uh, commodities that uh, we produce in our primary industries uh, here on the continent. <laughs> the market analyst uh, speaking to us uh, this evening for our wrap of the top business stories going to take a brief break now when we come back uh, we check in with ESCOM and it seems that some of you might not be able to buy your electricity vouchers and tokens from your usual vending points and uh, if uh, that has you in a, a bit of a bother uh, Palace Azwan is going to join me in the next few minutes or so to see how we can sort that out stay tuned